Um, so we're talking about suffering, and, and suffering probably kind of has a wide scale uh, of, uh, there's a wide scale of suffering. There's, there's very light things. We might call these like first world problems. Everybody's seen that probably on Twitter or websites, like hashtag first world problems. Um, I've seen kind of the thing, the deal where it's like, oh, the struggle is real. But usually the struggle, you only put that on something that's kind of stupid, right? Like that's something that's not that big of a deal. You might say, oh, man, the struggle's real. I have to go to the bathroom and, uh, you know, someone's in the stall or something like that. And you, say, you think that's, the struggle is real. Um, first world problems. There's some, there's some, there's some first world problems um, that I encounter a lot. And some of you may, may, uh, may relate to this. Um, how annoying is it? And, and, and again, this, this isn't to make light of it. This is just the wide range, the wide spectrum uh, of suffering. Um, and you, you get on the, on the light end, the, the little suffering that you have every time that your remote control doesn't work and you actually have to get up to change the channel and change the volume. Has that happened to anybody? I hate that. And John Weber grew up without TVs and especially without remote controls. He had three channels, so he didn't really even have to change anything. But now we got like a million channels. We're like, oh my gosh, I have to actually get up. Oh, so bad. Struggle is real. It's tough times. Um, Has anybody ever hit your shin or your toe, stub your toe? Come on. That's suffering, right? It may only last like 10 seconds, but it's, it's kind of like, oh my gosh, like for for 10 seconds, like, my world is over. Um, <laughs> a few weeks ago, Karen, uh, my wife, she, she hit, there's this post on the bed that we always hit every time we walk by it. And she hit it, and she literally just fell down and didn't get up for five minutes. She was just like, the suffering. It was, it was, it was short, but it was intense. When I was in high school, when I first moved to Jacksonville, we were in an empty house. Um, there's no furniture and everything. And so I, uh, I was running to the bathroom. I, I had to go to the bathroom really bad. And so I, w- for some reason, I held it. I don't know why. And then I just ran the bathroom and I was wearing like jeans and socks and uh and so as I got to the doorway and I ran through the side of my foot caught the door jam um and it hurt really bad and it hurt kind of an extra bad like kind of like something's wrong bad so I kind of hobbled to the bathroom I'm just like clinching every you ever get mad and just like clinch everything in your body like oh this will never end um and I sat down on my sister's bed and I took my sock off um and I kind of felt like this, this, could be, this could be bad. And my pinky toe was just sticking out like this. It was, it was nasty. So I was like, well, I got two cho- choices. I can either, you know, just like kind of be like, oh, you know, uh, I'm too scared to touch it. And it will hurt worse and get swollen. I'll have to go to the hospital. Or I can just pop it back in right now. So I just took it and I just popped it back in. And then the struggle <laughs> and, the, and the suffering wasn't near as bad as it would have been because I, I handled it right away. I, I knocked it right back into the side of my foot, and, and it was sore for a few days, but it was all good. Um, one of my worst first world problems, and, and just when I just feel like the world is ending, is um, you, you guys know I love Chick-fil-A. There have been times where I went to Chick-fil-A and they didn't have Chick-fil-A sauce. I, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. The gasp just went through the crowd. Like, it, it, like, I go in, and I'm like, wait a second. Like, you know, the yellow sauce. Yeah, we don't have that. No, 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 no not honey mustard, the, the Chick-fil-A sauce. No, we, we don't have it. And I'm like, you're my favorite restaurant, and I literally just want to go home. Give me back my money. I want to go home, or I'll go to another restaurant that does have it. One time I went, and they didn't have fries. Oh. And they were like, do you want coleslaw? No, I don't want coleslaw. And I don't want raisins and carrots, and I don't want a salad. I want waffle fries. Amen? Come on. Amen. That's a, that's a loud amen. And so sometimes we have these things, and they're really small. They're not that big of a deal, but they, they're, they're kind of a lighthearted suffering. But um, 
not to, not to just make it super serious, super quick, but many times suffering, when we think of suffering, suffering's not the little thing. Suffering is extended. Suffering is painful. Suffering is kind of the, the gut-wrenching emotions that go through us. Suffering, um, suffering might be something like death, the death of a loved one, the death of a friend, the death of a, of a family member, a grandparent, a parent. Um, that's extended suffering. That's crazy hurt. There's disease. There's cancer. There's, there's, there's heart disease. There's people that are just um, experiencing crazy amounts of health issues, and it hurts. And, and if you've ever had like, a, like an extended uh, uh, stay in the hospital or an extended injury, I've had two knee surgeries, and like, there's like, it's not just like that quick pain. It's like more of a, an extended amount of pain, and it's just like, and if you've ever been in that situation, and many of us haven't because because we're younger, but um, uh, if you've ever been in that situation, there's kind of like a hopelessness that comes with this pain that just won't go away, this 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 feeling that just won't go away. So there's disease, and it may not just be physical; it might be mental disease, it might be uh, depression. There are things that are that that are just so hard to get through. There's abuse, there's poverty, not just poverty of. Of, of, of like, I don't have the physical things I need, but there's e- emotional poverty. People that have no one, they're lonely, they're hurting, they don't have family, they don't have friends. And, and you've seen them before, you've seen them at school, you've seen them out and about. You see the people that you can just tell, like, life is not easy for them. They don't have anyone to turn to. That's one of the greatest things about the church, one of the greatest things about our life groups and our leaders, is that we have someone to go to when all else fails. Again, we're lonely. That's suffering. There are people that have nobody. A lot of us have families and friends and life group leaders and all this stuff, and, and some people have no one. Some people uh, lose jobs, and I know most of you don't, aren't in the situation where you might get laid off or something, but you, you may have dealt with it through your parents. Your parents may have lost a job. You may have financial problems in your, in your family, and, and I know that it's not necessarily your money, but you feel the effects of it. There's suffering attached with it. And, and we don't deal with this in America, really, on our own soil, but there's the suffering of war, of civil war, of, of things that are going on. There are other nations where, like, you can't leave your house. When you see or hear the sound of, of heavy machinery and, and, and cars coming towards your village or your town, you are scared for your life. You don't know what could happen. Someone could be taken from your home, and no one's going to do anything about it. Someone could come attack you, and your military can't, can't, can't protect you. There's no one to watch out for you. And there's suffering. We see it all the time, and especially in Africa and Asia. We see so much suffering. Every time we turn on the news, it's like we see more and more suffering. So the question is, what does suffering have to do with a good God? You might say, well, how is God good if there's suffering? One of the greatest questions kind of in the history of, of religion, the history of mankind, how can there be a God that controls everything, that we say is good, that we say loves us, and yet this is happening to me? Or this is happening in the world. Or this is happening to a friend or a family member of mine. How, how, does, how does suffering go along with the glory of God? We talk, we've talked about this whole series, how great the glory of God is to see. And, and we should look up at it. Well, well, how is that so great and things around us are so difficult? The, 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 the very simple answer, and this doesn't make it any better, and we'll talk about some of the things that, that, that ways we can deal with suffering but, but the, the truth is there's certain things that we just don't know. You could have the smartest theologian in the world, the smartest scientist, and they can't tell you the answer to every question. I don't have the answer 
for certain things. There have been things in my life that I'm like, why did that have to happen? Why did it have to happen that way? Why did God maybe even get my hopes up and then let me down? What was the, what was the point of that? The, the, the truth is, is, is the world is full of sin. Ivan talked about it. The world is a broken place. There was a plan for perfection. There was a plan for communion and, and unity with God at all times, where there would be no killing, there would be no sadness, there would be no disease, but the plan was broken in the Garden of Eden. When, when people decided, when Adam and Eve decided, we don't trust God. We don't care what God has to say. We think he's holding out on us. We're doubting that he's actually good. We think there might be a glory that's greater than God's. And so they turned away from him, and, and throughout generations, uh, the world has become fallen. And the world became fallen in that moment and has just continued to fall. There's a lot of good things in the world. There's a lot of good things in creation. But there is suffering. Now, an important thing to realize is that God does not cause the suffering. I, I want you to, to, to know that whether you're a Christian, whether you're not a Christian. I want you to know God does not cause suffering. Now, God allows for suffering. Now, there's a difference, and I know it seems like oh, that's not really that big of a difference. Why doesn't he just protect me from it? There's a broken world, and God allows it for a period of time. And the Bible tells about how at the end of time, that period will be over. Satan will be vanquished for once and for all, and everything will be perfect. But right now, it's not. Right now, there is sin and there's brokenness and there's suffering. A, a good example of a way that God can use it just to set up kind of the framework of where we're going is imagine if you were uh, an alien and you were dropped onto a planet. Um, you were dropped onto a planet uh, that was um, very difficult for you to breathe. It was very hot, like you were burning, you were suffering at every moment, you were, you were in pain. And, and they told you when they dropped you off on the ship, if you get to this place on the other side of the planet, you can go home. Well, it would, it would be your entire existence to get home because the suffering and, the, and the, the pain would be so great that you would just be like, I got to get to the X. I got to get to the X so I can get picked up and go back home. This is terrible. Now, imagine that that same situation happened and you were an alien. You were dropped onto a place, but you were dropped onto a place that's like, uh, we'll say, coastal Southern California. And you got beautiful waves, and the high is 75, and you can breathe. Uh, you can breathe the air, and there's restaurants, and there's beautiful people, and there's stuff to do. There's money. There's all these things to pursue. You might still want to get home, right? You'd still want to get back to your family and your friends, but it wouldn't be so pressing. There wouldn't be as much urgency, right? Because it doesn't hurt. You're, you're in. You're actually enjoying things. So you're kind of walking around. You're like, yeah, I'm, I'm on my way home, but. I'm going to check this out first and then check out that and check out this. And, and through that example, I want you to see that suffering can be used aloud by God to remind us that there is another home for us, to push us towards that other home, to, to make us not be so comfortable in the world. Because if we, let's be honest, if, we, if, if the Bible said we need God and, and we had all this stuff and we could just kind of go through life and everything was perfect, well, we wouldn't really need, we wouldn't feel like we had much need for God. But the truth is God uses suffering to show us that we need to keep a loose grip on the world. That the world can't, uh, the world can't make everything okay. That the things of the world cannot make everything okay. We've talked about that when we talked about worshiping other things. We can worship everything and they'll all falter except for God. He's the only thing that will not falter. So he can use suffering and allow suffering 
so that we realize and are reminded that we were made for eternity, not for the, the, the 90 years on earth. We were made for eternity, for perfection, not for just okay, the living, the, the here today, gone tomorrow nature of our world. So I got three points. I'm going to go through them real quick. When in the midst of suffering, look up. When in the midst of suffering, look up. See, the, the message doesn't really change whether things are good or whether things are bad. We are called to look up to God. In fact, most of the time, suffering forces us to look up. There isn't really a choice. Even you, you may know people that are atheists, and when someone gets sick or something bad happens or they're in an emergency, what do they do? Lord Jesus, please help me. If there's a God, do something. And they turn, they look up towards God. It's a natural reaction. When I was uh, three years ago, a friend of mine um, committed suicide, and we were on the mission field. We had just gotten to, um, to Jamaica, and uh, it was the Sunday before we started the whole week, and my dad called me and, and told me uh, that my friend um, had passed away and, and committed suicide, and, and there was, it was like the greatest agony I've ever felt. Like, you know, I've lost all my grandparents, but you know, like, this, this sounds bad, but at some point, they're supposed to die. Like, people don't live forever. And it's difficult, and it hurts, and I still miss my grandparents, but there's, there's a little bit of kind of a preparedness that we have for it. But when we lose someone like this that wasn't expected, someone young, someone that we're not expecting to pass away, there's a, there's a whole other level. And so I went through that week thinking, I remember that night thinking, how can I serve God? How can I worship God through this? How can I, how can I help all these, these other people and tell people when, when I'm hurting? And I realized every day as we drove down to Perrytown and I was sitting in the car, I was listening to worship music, and I, was just, I just couldn't get it off my mind that I was constantly looking up. And I didn't really uh, even intend to, but that was really my only choice. So I was reading scripture. I was praying. I was talking to God about what was going on. So when in the midst of suffering, look up. Look up. Look at Jesus who suffered with us. Look at Jesus who suffered with us. The Bible says he was a man of great suffering. People didn't like him. People didn't treat him right. He, he, was, the, he was really the, the, the son of a woman that said, God made me pregnant. Imagine that. Imagine having a mom that was considered crazy mom. And a dad who was like, I'm not really your dad, but uh, well, I'm kind of your dad. And you're not mine, but you're God's. But uh, you have to listen to me. And everybody just, just made fun of him. Think about a kid that's perfect, the perfect kid, the, the, the teacher's pet always gets made fun of. Well, think about Jesus. He was perfect, so he's walking around doing nothing wrong, and all the other kids are like, man, we hate you because you think you're perfect. You think you're better than us. He was a man of great suffering. He would spend times lonely and on the outskirts of town. He didn't have much, and he was made and created and came down to earth to sacrifice himself. Imagine having that kind of over your, your head the entire time. Like, okay, I know in 10 years I'm going to the cross. Five years I'm going to the cross. Four years I'm going to the cross. Three years I'm going to the cross. I'm going to be tortured in two years. I'm down to 15 months. It's coming and I can't, uh, it's going to happen and that's why I'm here. And it was just constantly weighing down on him. He understands our suffering. He's not like one of those gods that's like way up here and just like, okay, just deal with it. No, he, he experienced the suffering of the world. Look up at the cross, which assures us that God loves us. We may not have the answers to all the questions and why suffering happens, but we do know 
because of the cross that God loves us. There is no, there is no doubt that because he died on the cross, was tortured, was made fun of, was spit on, was hit, was hanging on a cross with nails through his hands and his feet, there is no question in our minds that even though things are hard and suffering happens and it is difficult, there is no question when we look at the cross that God loves us. We can be assured of that. We can look up at God's glory and goodness. And we may not have the answer why, and we may not know why until we're in eternity. But again, we know that God is for us. We know that God has a greater purpose for us, a greater plan for us. We know that suffering is not eternal. So when in the midst of suffering, look up. The second thing, when in the midst of suffering, or I'm sorry, meet your suffering with joy. Meet your suffering with joy. There's a difficulty in saying, well, how am I supposed to have joy when I'm suffering? Keep in mind, suffering, uh, joy is not happiness. Happiness is circumstantial. You're happy when something good happens. You're sad when something bad happens. Joy is something that only comes from God, and it's something that is, is unquenchable even in the midst of the worst circumstances. In Hebrews uh, 12, 2 and 3, and we looked at this verse a few weeks ago, but we're going to look at it again for a different reason. It says this, 12, 2 and 3, it says, For the joy set before him, him being Jesus, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Why did he endure the cross? For the joy set before him, scorning its shame and set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Consider God. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Consider him. Focus on him. He met suffering with joy. Where did the joy come from? It came from God, and it came from knowing that he was saving every single one of us. He was saving billions. He was going to come into relationship with us. So meet your suffering with joy. Look at the cross. When everything's going bad, look at the cross. When everything's going, going poorly, look at Jesus. Look at the joy he gives. Celebrate the things he's done. I, I would challenge you. Christian talked about this a few weeks ago. When, when you're in the midst of the worst suffering, take a piece of paper and write down everything that's good in your life. Everything that's ever been good in your life. And just, and just watch how quickly it'll fill up. Watch how quickly you'll see, well, I forgot did, did God did that 10 years ago. I forgot God did that two months ago. I forgot when he answered that prayer. I forgot when he gave me that job or I got a car or I got that, that good grade or I got into the college or I had that relationship that, that's, that, that we're broken up now. But at the time, it was, it was a good and perfect gift. The Bible says all good and perfect gifts come from God. So anything good, celebrate it. I did that one time and ended up with a list that was like everything was covered in writing front and back. And I realized how much good God had done. But a lot of times we forget about it and we only focus on the suffering. The truth is if we focus on the suffering, it won't go away. It'll get worse. It'll just start to crush our hearts and our souls and take away our lives. So meet your suffering with joy. Celebrate the things God has done. And the last thing is going to be based off of a, of a verse in 2 Corinthians that I'm going to read to you. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. And it says this. Therefore, we do not lose heart. I'll read it from up there. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Outwardly, they're suffering. Outwardly, we're falling apart. Inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not 
on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary. The world is temporary. Suffering is temporary. But what is unseen is eternal. Amen. That is, that is good news. Go to Romans. Go to the verse in Romans. Romans 8, 18, I consider that our present sufferings, this was written by a man in prison, written by a man who had been shipwrecked, beaten up, tortured, whipped, made fun of, all for Jesus. And he said, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing, not even worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Can we go back to the 2 Corinthians verse? A lot of times we look at this and we say, what does it mean when it says we are being renewed day by day? What does it mean when it says our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory? Achieving for us an eternal glory. If you've ever been to a, a graduation, you may go, have gone to see, seen like a cousin or a friend graduate from high school or college, and, and you get up there and, um, and, and you look at the, 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 the kids go across the stage, the young adults go across the stage, and... Um, and as people go by, you know, you kind of like, are like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm not really paying attention. I'm on my phone. I'm just trying to get through this. It's like two hours of pain, and I'm just going to, I'm not going to pay attention. But for some people that are at that event, some people that are at that graduation, um, namely the parents, it's a whole other ballgame. You might hear a name get called, and you think, oh, good for him. He graduated. And those parents might be sitting next to you, and immediately when you hear the name, all of a sudden, they start getting like the hiccup cry. <laughs> And there's just snot running down their face, and there's, there's, there's tears running down their face, and the, and the moms are, like, convulsing, like, doing one of these things, and they pull out the air horn, and everybody told you to be quiet, but you still did it anyway. Hashtag Fletcher, Fletcher graduation every single year. And, 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 but those parents are going crazy. And why are they going crazy? Because their light and momentary troubles of raising their children has achieved for them a greater glory. So as far as you know, yeah, I know the guy. He's great. He graduated. Good for him. But they are the parents that changed the diapers. They are the parents that saw their kids come home with a ton of homework. They're the parents that helped with the homework. They're the parents that cried with their kids when they cried, that cried with their kids when they went through a breakup or cried with their kids when, when they lost a grandparent or lost a friend or were going through, through the agony of not being accepted or the agony of middle school or high school, the, the things that go wrong all the time. They're the ones that, that paid for the events, that took them to soccer practice, spent hours taking them back and forth, shuffling back and forth. So when they graduate, they have a greater glory. There's a, there, it means more to them because they suffered along with the student. They suffered along with their child. And so what this verse is saying is, is it is achieving a greater glory. In other words, the things we go through on earth are going to make eternity that much better. It is not worth comparing to the glory. And so this is the last point. Sam, go ahead and come back up. Look to heaven. Look to heaven. Look to eternity. Revelation 21, 21 uh, verses 1 through 4 uh, has, a, has an exciting verse. This is like the very end of the Bible. This is like the climactic conclusion of everything. The Bible is over in, in the, within words of these verses. In Revelation 21, it's, it's John describing what he sees at the end of time. 
when Jesus comes back and conquers everything once and for all and takes away all suffering. This is what it says. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. In other words, the earth we're on right now. There was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. Here's one of the most encouraging verses in scripture. And if you are in the midst of suffering right now, I want you to read this. I want you to type it into your phone. I want you to, to save it. I want you to write it on your hand or do whatever you need to do. Because this is the promise of God in eternity. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. No more tears. No more pain. There will be no more death. There will be no more mourning. There will be no more crying. There will be no more pain. For the old order of things that is suffering, that is pain, that is difficulty in the world, that is the loss of things that are important to us, the old order of things, sin and brokenness, has passed away. It's gone. It's dead. It is no more. If you, if you are in the midst of something and you can't, you're looking up and you're like, oh gosh, I can't, I just can't get through this. I can't, I can't, I can't hold on. I can't do anything to get through this suffering. Look up to God. Look up to the cross and look to eternity. Look to heaven. As believers in Christ, there is an ending and it is amazing. And you'll look back, and you really won't even look back because the, the, the world and your life will have been worth nothing compared to heaven, compared to God's presence. As believers, we can know this is going to come, a day when everything is at peace and everything is perfect. I hope that encourages you, and I hope you know as believers that is real. That is eternal. Our life is like this like a vapor when it's cold outside and we breathe out in the morning and it kind of a little smoke comes up and then it goes away. That's how short our life is compared to eternity. It's not worth comparing to eternity. So this is how we're going to close. Um, as we've done throughout the series, we're going to do a salvation invitation because the truth is there are people here that don't know Jesus. That right now, there's nothing to look to. There's not a savior to look to. There's not a, an eternity of heaven to look to. Because right now, you don't know the Savior that's taking you there. The Savior that's coming back for you. And that's not to scare you. That's an opportunity. We have an opportunity right now to make that a reality. So everybody bow your heads. Close your eyes. There will be some of our student, um, our student hosts um, kind of walking down the aisles. And um, you'll see why in a second. But what we're going to do is I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray the prayer of salvation. It's a simple prayer. It's not my words that save you. It's believing in your heart that Jesus is Lord and confessing with your mouth for yourself that God raised him from the dead, that he is the son of God. So um, if you want to do that, if you want to make God, Jesus, your savior, if you want to look to Jesus for the very first time, look to the cross, look to heaven and know that your eternity is secure in him. I simply want you to raise your hand. Raise it high. Keep it up. Raise your hand. If you, if you do not know Jesus and you want to know Jesus, raise your hand. I'll give you one more moment. Raise your hand. This is your moment. This is your chance. God is calling you right now to lift up your hand and allow him 
to change your eternity. Thank you. Just pray these words with me. Lord Jesus, I'm yours. The world is full of brokenness and sin, and I need a Savior. Lord, forgive me. I know that you died for me and and were resurrected. I know you have an eternity for me that is greater than this world. Lord, I surrender my life over to you. Take me, I'm yours. In your name. Amen. If you raised your hand, everybody keep your, uh, your eyes, your eyes uh, closed, your head bowed. Um, if you raised your hand, just go with the, the student uh, that, that's kind of at the end of your row, and they'll take you, and I'll come talk to you in a second. I'd like to just talk to you and get to know you and, and kind of see what's going on with you. Um, everybody else, um, I just want to pray or, or give you a, really an opportunity um, to, to, uh, to be prayed over, to deal with your suffering. So I'm going to just, just pray a quick prayer, and then I'm going to tell you uh, the option for you guys to do. Life group leaders, you can go ahead and stand up around the room. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for your love. We thank you for the eternal glory that you have for us. Lord, we thank you suffering is temporary, and you've already defeated it at the cross. 2,000 years ago, you ended all suffering. And we may be in the midst of it right now, but you have defeated it in the end. Lord, I pray that we would look up to you, look up to the cross, look up to your glory, and know that you've won the battle, you've won the race, you've ended suffering forever, and one day we'll be with you in paradise, and while we're here on this earth, we have you to turn to. Oh, we thank you for that. In your name, amen.